Hello and welcome to Radio SGN. I am one of your humble hosts, A.V. Eichenbaum. Pronouns they, them. With me, as per usual, she, her pronouns, Lindsay Anderson. Hi. Hi. Hello. I just Hi. I just wanted to add that I'm the less humble host. I was wondering about that. I always start yeah. with this. And I mean, I'm one of your humble hosts. That's just who I am. I think you are the humble host. Okay. And I'm the other host. <laughs> sure. On a scale of like humble to not humble, where are you? Mm, I feel like I'm at um, like just a tier below Kanye West. Okay, so you're like far right. Yeah. On the humble scale. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like alt humble. Oh God. <laughs> I'm a part of humble anon. Come again? <laughs> Say that one more time I'm for a me, part please. Of humble anon. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's a secret society. And what are the basic beliefs of this humble anon? The basic beliefs are that we are a god. If you are not a god already, we'll become one um, once you just start to kiss your own ass enough. Now, Andrew Tate <laughs> sounds like someone who would be part of humble Oh, he's anon. in the cult for sure. Yeah, yeah. He, he's way up there. He's leadership material. Sure. Yeah, him and Donald Trump, uh, they serve on the board. Kendrick Lamar, he's there. He, yeah. he wrote a national anthem, actually. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. It's called Humble. Got it. Yeah, we're voting next week to see if Northwest can be um, indoctrinated in. Northwest? Who is that? Yes, uh, that is Kanye's daughter. She's like 10, but she shows signs of promising um, anti-humility. Got it. You might know her from her hit song, What Are Those? They're Close. <laughs> no, this is too niche. I'm sorry. No. Hold on. <laughs> Ye has a daughter. I knew this. Yes, he has two daughters, two sons with Kim Kardashian. And then he was having a fashion show for Yeezy. Is Yeezy his fashion brand? Yeah. Yeah, and they had Northwest sing at the fashion show. And all she said was, what are those? They're clothes. And then Kim was like crying. It was like, she has a gift. <laughs> when was this? This must have been pre-divorce. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was before they got, but like right before they got divorced. I would say like early 2022, maybe 2021. Didn't they get divorced before that? Oh, the divorce is pretty recent. Anyway, if you haven't figured it out by now, we are the <laughs> podcast for Seattle Gay News, <laughs> Seattle's premier and longest running LGBTQ plus newspaper. And we focus on the important things. Like, I guess this song by... Ye's daughter, what the fuck? Would you like me to play it for you into my microphone? No. <laughs> I'm good. I've been having sort of a rough mental health week in general, and I, I don't know if that put me over the edge or not. I'm not sure. I might have to curl up in a ball directly after this recording. Nepotism at an all-time high in the entertainment industry. Are we surprised? No, but it does make it harder for me to get famous. And I know that you want to get famous. You're a count. You're a count of an island. I'm a <laughs> count of a micronation. Even better. <laughs> My bloodline originally was nobility, but we lost it all. I have very wealthy relatives, but we, we uh, during the recession, we lost our house and um, my parents got divorced. That sounds very similar to Northwest, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Lindsay, we're, Northwest and I are kindred spirits. Both of our dads are short. Both children of divorce. Uh-huh. Northwest's parents' divorce happened in the second recession, though. Sure. 
Yeah, you both have hot moms. I don't think my mother is hot. Other people <laughs> tell me my mom is hot. I feel like Northwest would say a similar thing. You guys would get along great. Uh, okay. <laughs> but we could get to the news. Because <laughs> there's some news to talk about. We have a lot of good news this week in case we've depressed you by talking about Northwest and nepotism up front. Yeah, we have new members of the Imperial Court of Seattle. Very exciting. Very exciting. Kick the ball is our new emperor for Rainier 48. And we've got a new Olympia empress in Sky Martini Ice. Now, can you explain to me what jurisdiction do they have, these emperor, empresses, emperor and empress, emperi? As far as I know, it's an elected position of sorts. And, you know, there are drag kings and queens. Mm-hmm. And then they're right above that. They're the emperor, empress of drag in the area. Ah. And it's a big deal for the for the drag community. Thank you for explaining that. We've got a great show for you coming up. Um, congratulations to Kick the Ball and, and Sky Martini Ice on becoming new members of the Imperial Court. Coming up, I've got Rye Armstrong as our guest. Great to have him on. So all that and more after these messages. Pink, live in Tacoma. The Trust Fall Tour. Tacoma Dome, October 17th. With special guests, Group Love and Kid Cutup. Get tickets now at LiveNation.com. The brand new album, Trust Fall, is available now. Pink, the most spectacular show for one night only. For more, visit PinksPage.com. This is Dr. V. Hill with V. Hill Family Medicine, and I would like to tell you a quick story about my primary care practice. I had a patient text me about a cat bite injury to her hand, and she was worried it was now infected. I saw her in clinic that day, cleaned the wound, and arranged for a tetanus shot and antibiotics, saving her critical time, an ER visit, and hundreds of dollars. If you want to know how direct primary care can benefit you, contact me at 253-693-0071 or at vigilmd.com. Joining me today via Zoom, they are uh, potentially the first non-binary city council candidate running. They've been in Gilded Age. They're an actor, a singer, a music producer. Rye Armstrong is uh, joining me over Zoom today. Rye, how are you? Good, Ash. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So you were on Gilded Age as a footman, right? A foot soldier? <laughs> You've, you've, uh, it's on HBO Max if you haven't checked it out already. You've done a lot. We were just discussing right before we started that we're both 28, which uh, <laughs> is an interesting age to be in the Seattle political scene, I can tell you from experience. <laughs> what was the pivot? Why did you decide to run for city council? It's a great question. And yes, I was on Gilded Age. spent two years of my life on that thing. I was born in Seattle and grew up here, and I t- moved to New York after getting my BFA in musical theater, was going to pursue the dream, obviously did that for four years, and then a pandemic happened, and I was suddenly back here in Seattle for nine months, falling in love with quarantine hiking and you know mitigating what that was going to be. No one really understood how long that was going to last or what it was going to be. And then I went back to New York, and it was just a different place for me. 
and I missed home and I missed Seattle and everything was suddenly all virtual like this giant movement towards obviously Zoom and other platforms mm -hmm. including in the acting and uh, entertainment business so yeah I just found myself back more and more and fell in love with it and then was seeing Seattle for what it is now versus what I grew up with and uh wanted to see if I can make a difference in the community and started meeting friends and people and making connections and then one thing led to another and I found myself crazy enough to jump into local politics. I thought if I'm going to move back and be here, I might as well jump in feet first and uh, see where I land. And your platform seems to be... Actually, if you could explain it for me, I'd really appreciate it, just for the listener at home. Yeah, of course. I am uh, pretty much like just to the right of Bernie Sanders. I identify as a democratic socialist and I'm pretty much, I think as far left as I've seen as other candidates in the current D3 race. And I was going back and forth, kind of hesitant when Shama was deciding whether she would run or not again and just feeling out whether that is felt right for me, you know, right in the moment and right in today's society. But we have three S's we're focusing on, which are shelter, safety, and sustainability. And to go through it really quickly, I want to create Seattle as a right to shelter city. Mm. So that puts the legal burden on sheltering humans on the city itself. I feel like it's been like 10 years of us talking about the issue of housing and, and houseless people. So that would be expensive in the beginning, but it would get the job done. Um, and then safety, I want to create um, independent departments separate from 911 and the police, so establishing a 311 for renters' rights and non-emergent issues and a 611 for addictive and mental health services. And then these three agencies, independent of each other, would create a community court tribunal for holding police accountable. Um, so I just feel like the city itself isn't capable of doing that at the current moment. Um, and I think that the current funding we have now is fine, but we could specialize you know, certain avenues towards mental health needs, addictive services for people that actually do that or study that for a living instead of sending people with guns to deal with those situations. And then finally, sustainability. So I want to create, use Seattle as like the forward moving city in the country, being carbon neutral and plastic free by the end of the decade. But again, that's my more lofty goal, a little crazy, but mm -hmm. I, I spent many years in the pandemic, post-pandemic, when there were no auditions and Broadway was closed for a year and a half, being involved with and around Extinction Rebellion and, you know, like chaining myself to a Chase Bank in their headquarters in New York, like, it was wild and it was amazing. So that's at the heart of who I am, but I that's, those are my three, uh, three pieces. I see an Extinction Rebellion <laughs> sticker. This is not going to be broadcast with video, but just for everybody at home. That's okay. They're telling the truth here. <laughs> They've got at least the stickers. <laughs> this is on my cello, yeah. <laughs> you play cello. That's really interesting. Yes. Her name is Katniss Evergreen. Oh, my God. She's wonderful. <laughs> um, okay, so outside of the activist sphere, do you have any um, background in politics in like the inner workings of the city itself yeah so I was involved at my undergrad Central Washington University as student body president so I worked with the governor's office and the entire administration over there which was wild because that was 2015 to 2016 and the Trumpian wave was like hitting Ellensburg and 
that side of the mountains and I'm just this queer student body president yeah. trying to exist. It was, I have crazy stories from that time. And then from there I moved to New York and was involved with the Hell's Kitchen Democrats and Manhattan Community Board 4. After undergrad, I got my master's in international relations and um, sustainable development policy. Mm -hmm. So looking at local policy but on an international scale. That's really my heart, creating policy that's interactive with community. And then since being back, I've been, like I had lunch with um, Andrew Ashiofu, who's also running. Yeah, and yeah. He's lovely. And, and I'm slowly getting involved with the LGBTQ commission here and hearing about what they're working on. Oh, so most of my experience stems from theoretical studies. And this is my first leap into the, the actual thing. Um, yeah. But everyone starts somewhere. So why not? I had a question because you came up uh, on my coworker's grinder. You mentioned your campaign on your grinder profile, and I was wondering what the thought process was behind that campaign strategy. Yeah, um, I'm pretty open and transparent about who I am and what I am. Yeah. Um, so I've had I had it just as a candidate for city council on there, and my Instagram is linked, so it's not like anyone can't find out right. who I am or what I am. But I've had some great conversations about what people want to see in the neighborhood and in the area. Um, and obviously, that's not the platform that everyone uses or has conversations about right. politics it's, it's or unusual. policy. Right, it, right. It is unusual, um, but it is interesting, <laughs> especially given, um, you know, shared identities. I was just feeling there's this disconnect between the real queer community here and kind of where the city stands and the fact that and I know Shama's been in District 3 for almost a decade or over a decade. So the districts were formed and there's never been like a queer person to represent D3 and Capitol Hill and all of this amazing queerness that I love and enjoy in our mm -hmm. community. And there's so many queer candidates running, so I'm like, at least there should be some emphasis on that. But yeah, I was, I was just kind of opening my whole life to having conversations with people about what they want to see um, mm -hmm. from city council or from anyone who wants to make a difference in the community. It was definitely interesting. It's, it's a yeah. strange environment to find yourself in, but <laughs> I don't know if I'll do it forever. I might, I sure. might call it off, but it was yeah. a cool experiment for sure. It's arguably the most populist campaign strategy I've ever seen in 14 years of journalism. But <laughs> <laughs> You seem like someone who chooses to do something and then goes out and does it and mm. I know from experience that this city can wear people down like that are you concerned at all about the obstacles you may face if elected it's a good question because there is a difference between campaigning and running an election mm -hmm. and then getting elected and governing yeah I hope that people won't judge me um, based on what others say and get to know me themselves and that my actions can speak more than my words. I think going away and living in New York and getting roughed up a bit by that city has given me like a, a hard outer shell, but I also like missed, being in New York, I missed my kind of Seattle inner shell, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so I don't want to lose that, but I also think people should hold people in governance accountable. So I'm I'm not afraid of, I guess, failing upward or learning. And I felt like my approach to the beginning of the campaign when I, des I decided to do this in December at a holiday party and I had a little, you know, 
friends and family gathering and just made yeah. the little internal announcement. And I've been slowly trying to listen and learn from what people want to see. I think people are tired of inaction in the city, so I'm trying to be the most community-based, action-based candidate. But it is also a marathon. I will yeah. not say I'm not human, and I, I've already experienced two moments of some burnout where, you know, I need to sit down and play Fortnite instead of responding to these seven donation emails that I have to process and, you know, figure out. And that's a learning curve. I'm not worried about it because I try to be, I meditate every morning and I try to prioritize my own mental health so I can continue the marathon. Um, but we'll see. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of a journey. <laughs> what would you say is the main difference between the scene in New York and the scene in Seattle? Because I'm not from here. From You're from California, California right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah I heard on a previous episode. Yeah, yeah. so, but I, I have, I feel like sometimes Seattle wants to be more like New York, but refuses to let mm. itself be. And I, I mm. was wondering if you had thoughts on that. You're like, this is damning I feel like in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I'm never not honest. I feel like Seattle is less direct than New York. Like mm. in New York, you at least know someone doesn't like you and they'll tell you to your sure. face. Not that that does or does not happen in Seattle, but I feel like it's just more polite and beating around the bush. Um, so I think what the governance, governance structure needs is a change up and a switch. And I think as we're heading into these very scary times of chat GPT automation and AI and like where the future is going to be for generations of people our age looking towards the late end of this century, mm -hmm. Seattle's pretty well positioned to be like a haven for the future. Um, so, I don't know. I don't think Seattle wants to be New York. I think Seattle needs to find Seattle. I feel like Seattle's had trouble finding Seattle for its entire history, right? There's no center of town, uh, in my mm. opinion. And you don't have to agree or disagree with that. I know that could be an issue. But there's, um, <laughs> it, it feels as though my neighborhood used to be the Cascade, which was called the heart of Seattle. Now it's East Lake versus South Lake Union. South Lake Union's its own thing. No one gives a shit about East Lake, and I'm fine with that. We all are. Uh, you know, East Lake's but, now in my district. It got redistricted. Yes, yes it did. Thank mm -hmm. God. Oh, oh man. Um, let me tell Welcome you. Welcome to District 3. <laughs> yeah, I used to be very involved in the politics of this neighborhood in particular, and it has its own separate council. <laughs> uh, anyway, I agree with you. I think Seattle hasn't found itself yet. And not only is it positioned economically, historically, economically as well, it bounces back from um, recessions very easily. It also is positioned very well um, environmentally. Like right. The Pacific Northwest, listeners at home, if you didn't know this already, you're sitting pretty, hopefully, uh, knowing that you're not going to experience the devastating fires to the same extent as our neighbors to the south and north. That's always been really interesting to me as well. So but is the city ready for a mass migration northward from California when drought Absolutely hit? not. Is the city ready for earthquakes that are going to ravage Sodo? No, no. We're not ready. But we need to be. And that's scary to me, you know? Yeah. Looking forward in that way, your ideas for housing and your, your goals do seem practical. But given that a lot of people don't think forward in, in that way, a lot of voters may not uh, consider the 
what I consider inevitable and what a lot of people our generation consider inevitable, how, how do you address the more pressing issues, the more um, present-minded voter? Well, we're the only campaign that has a CRM-based feedback form that I've seen on people's websites. So everything from the micro-local of my roads have been cracked on this street for years and years and years, no one does anything about it, to the more macro of like, how do we find a balance between creating safety for people of color and also having safety in the city, which is, I think, the hardest issue that I don't have the answer to. So we've created a system where people can go onto the website and get a ticket number and submit feedback from the micro to the macro on our policies, and that also will affect how we build policy in the campaign. But to go back to your question, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have all the answers right now, and that's okay to say and, and, and be. I think the, the biggest pressing issue to me is taking care of our houseless people and the fact that we have a worse problem than a city like New York that has 10x times the amount of budget and population that mm -hmm. we have is crazy to me. Um, and you can't just throw money at the problem. You can't just ship people off to somewhere else. You can't just like sweep camps of people and throw away all their stuff. Like these are their lives and their homes. And I talk to these people on the streets when I'm canvassing and like I hear a little bit of their stories, but I also can't be the person to save everyone too. And that's so, it's difficult. But I think by establishing it like as a human right that someone will have shelter, we will then be able to create infrastructure around that because then we would be forced to throw money into the, that, the creation of that infrastructure. We have some crazy ideas that we haven't like fully fleshed out and haven't announced yet, mm -hmm. but hopefully they will come out shortly in the next couple months throughout the, uh, the primary. When you do, just email my office. Uh, we'll, we'll... <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we're just about out of time here, right? Is there God, it goes you... fast. Yeah, it does, it does move pretty quickly, but is there anything that you would like to leave our listeners with? Yeah, I guess two things. There's never been an artist on Seattle City Council, and that's what I would bring, and that's who I am, so that's a part of me, so I don't want to hide that or take that away from anyone else. Um, and I feel like Capitol Hill is the arts district, the technical one, but it's just not what it used to be, and I want to expand that. So that's, that's a personal thing about my section of the city that I really care about, is taking care of artists and finding space for them to exist in and also make a living in. Um, which bring, builds an arts economy, builds tourism, you know, it would help the city and also create maybe not a center, but an off-center hub <laughs> up on the hill on Cap Hill. And then finally, we are not taking any special interest donations or businesses. We're going to try to be the people's candidate. So if anyone's able to give $10 on our website, we need about 100 more donations to qualify to be on the ballot with the Democracy Voucher Program. I funded this campaign with $1,500. That was my entire savings. And like, that is it. That is what I got and what we got. So one of my other opponents in the race has already been funded because she was already endorsed by bigger business. And in politics, the pendulum tends to swing from one radical to the other. And we went from Shama, who was about as far left as you can get. And my concern is that we'll end up with a more moderate candidate in District 3. And I don't want to see that, that be the case because there is so much work to do. 
So that's what I'll leave you with. We need your help qualifying to have a chance in the race. And if anyone is willing to be uh, a qualifying donor, we've created an automated sheet right on the website. So you just go to the where it says, help us qualify for the, the election. And then click. it takes like five minutes. So it's super easy to do. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was an absolute pleasure. And uh, good luck to you. Thank you, Ash. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And we're back. Lindsay, it's kind of a fluff piece week. Not a lot of news that we actually got to cover was as exciting or terrifying as usual. So let's let's just run down what we've got this week. We've got a travel piece from our new contributing writer, John McDonald, who previously worked with South Florida Gay News and lives in Portland. Uh, really nice guy. Great to have him on the team. He went to Alaska and wrote all about it, and we printed that this week. Uh, you wrote about Pete, who is the storyteller behind the queer short film of the same name. We've got a gay congressman retiring from Rhode Island. That's not great news, but also it's not, like, terrifying in the same way that, I don't know, Tennessee banning drag shows is. And we didn't learn about that until after we'd already gone to print, so that sucks. Daniel Lindsley went to the Northwest Flower and Garden show. Shake Shack settled their suit with a trans employee who had been misgendered consistently in San Francisco, which sucks, but they settled the suit. They have promised to do better. And Pride in the Pow is happening. You've got to look at Pride, you know, drag queens snowboarding. They're not just doing snowboarding, but they're going to be hosting all kinds of lip syncing and drag competitions at the summit of the mountain. And if the weather cooperates like it did last year, uh, you might be able to see Mount Rainier in the background of their show, which would be really cool. And that's all well and good, but it's not the most exciting issue of the paper. Sometimes you need a week like that. Sometimes you need a chill week. Um, I've mm -hmm. got a chill week coming up for the first time ever, folks, just announcing this. I, there might not be an episode on the 13th of March because I'm taking a mental health week before we really ramp up for Pride because once that starts happening, it really it really gets very busy here at the paper. Very exciting. Yeah, I, I've never taken a vacation before. I've traveled. I, I don't know what to do with myself during that time. Do you have any suggestions for me? Are you asking me or the listeners? Yeah, you. I mean, I, what do you do when you oh, don't... Oh, I have so many yeah, suggestions. Yeah, you seem like you enjoy downtime. <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or not. I um... meant it as just a statement of fact. I know coming from a mm. workaholic like me, it might sound like I'm throwing some shade. I'm not. I, I genuinely don't know. My studio apartment is mostly an office with a bed in it. So any suggestions on how to chill would be cool if you're looking for advice on what to do with your recreation time if you can't settle and you you feel you know the nervous energy to do something you should volunteer and then you're putting your work to good use i like to volunteer at the animal shelter but there's like a lot of other places that you can check out as well food banks are great homeless shelters are great volunteering with at-risk youth actually might not be the best idea for you i feel like you might punt a kid but Actually, you like kids, don't you? I'm great with kids, yeah. Well, then you should volunteer with kids. But um, if you know, if you do just want to like entirely chill, I'd say check out some of Seattle's cool parks. The great thing about you know, even if you're not traveling for your week off, is we live in a city that people will travel to to vacation. So it's really easy to like, you know, feel like you're having a vacation at home if you just want to check out like 
some new restaurants or activities, the zoo, the aquarium, a lot of fun things to do around Seattle if you haven't. You just suggested to me, hey, you're taking a week off work. Why don't you go work somewhere for free? It's very rewarding for the soul to work for free. Is that so? Really? Let me talk to Angela. About <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't tell her that. But I do feel like I, I feel sometimes more motivated to do volunteer work than I do to do work that I'm paid for if it's the same thing. Like, sure. I worked at a, a doggy daycare and I hated it. But then doing like the same job volunteering at an animal shelter, I'm like, this is so fun. And the only difference is <laughs> that I'm getting paid to do one. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, if you're looking to start binging some new shows, I do have suggestions because I've started binging some new shows if we want to do a little pop culture corner. Sure, go for it. What do we got? Unfortunately, this week, my Isabel tested positive for COVID. And everything that I enjoy watching, like Modern Family and Abbott Elementary School, are shows that I watch with Isabel. And since we're both in isolation to keep me from getting sick, I've had to watch some new shows. So I've started watching this show called High School on Amazon Prime. It's really great. It's, it's based on the memoir by Tegan and Sarah uh, the the indie duo twin sisters. I'm familiar. It's about their growing up in Calgary in high school in the 90s and it's just great. It's got a lot of 90s nostalgia, cool fashion, good music, and it's super gay because they're both gay. So it's really good if you're looking for a fun binge. Let's talk about this week's Ask Izzy because it actually is very interesting, especially in light of Tennessee, again, banning drag shows for some reason. We didn't get the chance to write about it because it happened after we had already sent our paper to the printers, but it will be in next week's edition, I'm sure. It's about how to become a drag performer. How do you do it? And she did the research. Isabel Mata, of course, host of the other show on the Seattle Gay News Podcasting Network, Being Yourself Loudly, and our Ask Izzy advice columnist. Here's the question. Dear Izzy, I'd really like to get into drag, but I've never done it, and I don't know what the first steps are. I have a name and look, but where do I go from here? Is there a class for beginners I could take? Dreaming of drag. So Isabel did research, because she herself is not a drag queen. She's a bisexual with a spot on HGTV right now. <laughs> so, you know, she's a queen in her own right, but not a drag queen. But the first step... Figuring out the concept, the persona, the aesthetic, and then go from there. It looks like they've already got the look, so that's great. Shoot your shot and see what happens. It seems to be the, the, the take here. You know, I know like as somebody wanting to get into comedy, you can do open mics. Is there like an open mic equivalent to drag? There are open mic events in Seattle that happen. A lot of open mic events are not just stand-up. They could be any sort of thing. There's also like a drag online class that you can do from City Academy, which is in London. But um, the comeback, Julia's on Broadway, Kremwork, Pony, Queer Bar, Unicorn, they're all like drag spots, right? And there's even like a drag brunch place down the street from me at Otter Bar. I don't know what their hiring situation is. Have you ever thought about being a drag king, Lindsay? Me? Yeah. Um, no, I don't think I have. Do you th okay, shall we just rapid fire drag names real quick? Sure. If you looked at me and you saw me in drag, what would my name be? Punky Brewster. Thank you, I guess. I could be Depression. Yeah. Oh, oh, I got a good one. What about Misgendered? <laughs> we don't have any practical experience being drag performers. We both have experience being performers. 
uh, me as a voice actor and, you know, screen actor, and you as a stand-up. Lindsay, how did you get into stand-up? How do, why, why do you keep doing it? Not that you're not funny. Sorry, that was bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> I apologize. But why, why did you get into stand-up? I don't know. I just have always really enjoyed comedy. I was a lonely kid that watched a lot of John Mulaney stand-up specials and then other stand-up specials on Netflix back before. Now I don't like him. I've always kind of wanted to try comedy in many different art forms. When I was a kid, me and my sister would do our own version of Saturday Night Live on Sundays where we would make our own like sketches. So it kind of just came from like a long time love of comedy and a friend of mine was doing a comedy class for beginners and I just signed up and went with it ever since then. So that's what I, that's what I do. Wild. Yeah. I was told once when I was in high school by um, my dad's old business partner that I should get into voice acting because I have the voice of a tractor. And I have no idea what that means except that he was wanting to put together some cartoon show about talking tractors and he wanted me to potentially be on there and I, I didn't do it. But if you're ever looking to cast a tractor, ladies and gentlemen and gentlemen's and everybody listening... I have that voice. <laughs> People have told me my whole life that I have a pleasant voice, which is good because I've got a face for radio to match, you know what I mean? I spent a lot of time reading bedtime stories to my siblings, and I did the morning announcements in high school, and long-time listeners will know that I also voice Cal, who's a non-binary teen on the Scarab Archive, sort of like a Marty McFly-esque character, and I got that by uh, just sort of shooting my shot and hoping for the best. And they'd already had a couple thousand listeners when I joined in season three, and I just got the call back for season four. But I, it's not a really great, but it's not a really great like showcase of my voice. Because um, <laughs> Cal, it doesn't sound like this. It's like, yo, Doc, mm -hmm. Dr. East, hey. And it's not pleasant for me to listen to. I can't, I don't know why they wanted that, you know. <laughs> so I don't mind. I will be on uh, another episode of The Ugly Radio. I'm reading a story that someone else wrote. But yeah, I don't know. Voice acting is interesting. Anyway, what were we talking about? Drag queens. Yeah, we were talking about drag queens and getting started in the drag industry. I guess if we have any listeners that are drag queens or kings or have experience, we would love to hear your opinion or your advice to give to whoever this is that wrote in to ask Izzy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, listeners, it's it's been a frigid week in Seattle. Very cold. Um, the sun's out today, but it did snow a couple days ago, and Peter is in a lovely sweater to stay warm, and I guess we just hope that you guys are staying warm there too. And if you're a fan of the cold, definitely check out Pride in the Pow next month. This week, in terms of local news, was just a lot of A&E stuff, which is hard for me to get excited about. And I'm sorry to anyone listening who's like, oh, I love the fluff, but come on. Mm -hmm. You know what? Our personal lives are chopsy-turvy as it is and of this week, so I'm good with the fluff. I am glad that... The, the biggest news this week is that a gay congressman has retired without conflict and that we're not talking about, I don't know, hate and murder and death and COVID because that's exhausting. It's hard mentally. Yeah, I guess I just don't know how to relax. <laughs> Go to a spa. Yeah, actually. I think they'll be very good. 
Yeah. I've never been to a spa. I've never gotten a massage. I've given massages. Never gotten a massage. Interesting. You should try it out and then tell us the week after your break what it's like to get a massage. That sounds really personal. <laughs> um, Cops, gangs use grinder for stings, extortion in Middle East. Human Rights Watch, HRW, has published a report showing that government officials in several Middle Eastern and North African countries have been using social media and dating apps to target LGBTQ people with extortion, harassment, detainment, and public outings. That's from our international news highlight by Dan Lindsley. It's something that I have heard about covering international news before, especially when we were looking at um, the experiences of people in Qatar, because that was a big international hub for travel earlier this year with the World Cup. How do you feel about that? Well, it's depressing. Um, I might just be depressed, Lindsay. I, <laughs> um, hmm. This episode is brought to you by Better Health. <laughs> I wish. We need that Better Health money. Hey, Better Health, sponsor us so I can use your fucking service. <laughs> yeah, that is winter in Seattle. I feel ya. I feel ya, my friend. My sibling in Christ. I don't know. I'm so lonely. I've been in isolation for days. <laughs> this is the most I've talked to another human being. I'm so sorry that it had to be me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're making me feel better because I'm like, you know what? At least I'm not. You know what? Depressed. At least I'm not Ash. <laughs> <laughs> At least I have downtime. Is that, yeah. too, is that too much? Is that? No, no, not at all. <laughs> Folks, if you have any suggestions for how to spend time with yourself or alone, um, go ahead and tweet at us at Seattle Gay News or follow us on Instagram at Seattle Gay News or at radio.sgn. Yeah. Maybe get I don't a know, dog. Man. <laughs> Rent a dog. Rent a dog for a week. I can't afford an animal. <laughs> I, I just can't. I tried. I can't afford a pet beyond my snail maybe take rebus for a walk so i put living moss in his terrarium and it started to sprout other plants and that's pretty cool oh and that's I got really so cute. excited about that this morning i think it's like a tomato plant growing up in there <gasps> from some of the food that i left in there wow do snails eat tomatoes will he have like a surprise yeah tomatoes mushrooms cucumbers carrots um not a huge fan of lettuce oh but uh, you'll eat it sometimes, spinach. Um, but yeah, cucumbers and carrots, especially carrots, like softened carrots a little bit. Gets really excited about those and then just zoom around the <laughs> enclosure for a couple hours. That is so cute. You should take your snail to the farmer's market. That's what you should do with your time off. Yeah, I'll spend a week at a farmer's market. Yeah, camp there. Well, folks, thanks so much for listening, I guess. I'm <laughs> sorry it's been a kind of a weird episode. We tried doing this earlier, and it, it, it was worse. Is there anything you want to say to the listener before we head out? Um, This is this goes out to just the Lindsay Hive. Uh, those of you in the Lindsay Stan clan, have some confidence this week. Join the No Humble Committee. Fully believe in yourself Um, to the point where it is unhealthy. I'm talking... Kanye West level hype man, inner hype man, inner hype beast. And um, if you're lucky enough to have a pet in your life, give them a hug for me. And also don't get COVID. It's still going around apparently. Bo boosted and everything still can be unavoidable. 
Um, you could also check out if you are looking for a new hobby, if you're like Ash and you've got some time off coming up, read along with us at the SGN Book Club. This week, if you're not big on reading but you love pictures, we have a graphic novel. We are reading Anne, an adaptation of Anne of Green Gables from Little Women. It's queer, it's a graphic novel, it's wonderful. And then we're going to start that one up tomorrow as soon as we wrap up our reading of Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe, which is a totally delightful book that I think anybody should read if you've got time. Definitely up there with one of the best books that we've featured on Book Club so far. All right, folks, you heard it here. Go follow SGN underscore books if you want to keep in touch with Lindsay and her book club. And look for more individual posts of those book clubs and their quotes and their authors, yada yada, online at Seattle Gay News. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you in the funny pages. I always want to say, like, I love you, bye, when we finish, but then I'm like, that's so weird. That's how I finish talking to my mom or something, you know? <laughs> Just a habit. Radio SGN is hosted by A.V. Eichenbaum and Lindsay Anderson and produced by A.V. Eichenbaum. Music for this show is provided by TRG Banks and Jesse Spillane, or was provided for free by Anchor. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out on sgn.org or wherever you find podcasts. This podcast is part of the Seattle Gay News Podcasting Network.